0: Episode 123 of Milwaukee's Tailgate Brewers Podcast, part of the MKE Tailgate Podcast Network. I'm James Langer, joined this week by Ryan Topp and Paul Noonan. And as we sit here and record this, we're uh, about a couple hours away from the NFC Championship game. Guys, uh, any any plans for the game this week?
1: Um, I might be going out to a bar. Um, I have some sick kids of moderate sickness, but I think they're good enough I can actually leave them, so... That's my tentative plan. Hope, hope it actually happens. Um, I Have not checked out my new scene very much yet, so really want that to happen.
2: Have you found a good packer bar in the the new locale?
1: I, I'm told that there's one right by my house, but I haven't been there yet. Um, so uh, called Tiffany's, um, and like it's it's a good enough packer bar that you allegedly have to get there like in advance of the game, starting by a good amount to actually get into it. So that is both a good sign and something that I have trouble doing because <laughs> I often am showing up right when things start. So. We'll see. I might end up being just stuck at home, but I hope I get to go out.
2: Yeah, so uh, I'm going to be picking my wife up. Uh, She's coming in on the train in a couple hours here, and then we're going to go to a Packers party. And this is a guy. This guy's awesome and has hosted Packers parties for every NFC title game going back to the Giants one. And we've attended all of them, except we didn't go to the uh, to the Falcons one, because after going one and two in those, I'm like, no, we're going to go someplace else. So I told Amy, no, no, no. We're going to do something totally different for this one. And then they lost that game anyway. So now she's like, well, I really want to go to this this party at our friend Adam's place. So I said, OK, well, let's do that. But I'm I'm going under protest because this has generally not ended well. Though we did. We did. <laughs> they did win the one. So like yeah, we were there for that. But we will see. This guy has a, a huge spread, all kinds of liquor and stuff. So it's it'll be nice. Nice. But,
1: yeah. Also, as, we, as we're talking at this very moment, the, uh, the Titans are actually up on the Chiefs 10-0. So, um, that, that, everything that happens in the game while we're recording is crazy so far. Like, we, we all missed the, the huge like Chiefs comeback on the, the Texans last week recording this. Yeah. And this looks like it's starting the exact same way. So, um, I do not fear the Titans in the Super Bowl at all. Hopefully that happens. That'd be great.
2: Yeah, it looks like uh, Tennessee just got nailed for a holding, so... Yeah, all right.
1: Yeah. I'm kind of rooting for Andy
0: Reid, though. Not if yeah. we not play the Packers, but, you know, I, I want Andy to get at least one, right?
2: I,
1: I do agree with that. If the Packers don't win it, I would like Reid to win it second most. Um, yeah, same. Totally on board.
2: Well, and also, okay. like, it's good for football, I think, to have somebody like Patrick Mahomes win a Super Bowl. Like, beyond Reid, like, it's good for football to have Mahomes be a, like, winning quarterback as well, so...
1: That's true. Uh, I, I will speak up a little bit for Tannehill, who might be way better than everybody kind of realizes just because he was stuck in he's been stuck in horrible situations his whole career, like mostly with the Dolphins. I think totally with the Dolphins. That team is the worst organization to be with. They don't develop anybody. Um, so he might be like really good. That is, we shouldn't discount that as a possibility. Like, that is totally something that might be the case.
2: Well, when he got that job with the the Dolphins, people thought he might be like a breakout quarterback. People thought he had the the skills to potentially do it. So,
1: yep, he was a good prospect and also played pretty well for the Dolphins um, for a lot of bad teams. Um, You know, he never put up great numbers in the grand scheme of things. But when you consider who he was playing for and the talents around him, he actually had some pretty good seasons. So,
2: no, you could scrape out some fantasy relevance from him.
1: So, yep. Future Bears quarterback Ryan Tannehill. Uh, that would actually be kind of scary. And besides, like that didn't that if that was going to happen, it should have happened already because they could have been in the Super Bowl this year if they had they done that a little earlier. Yeah, yeah. but uh, course, they don't have the pieces to get a Ryan Tannehill since they have no draft picks. So.
2: The Bears have have thoroughly bearsed it up as usual. So
1: they have, they have they, they traded. They traded up to get David Montgomery last year, costing themselves draft picks. They traded up for Trubisky, costing themselves draft picks, and they traded for Khalil Mack. So they have no draft picks, so they can't actually acquire anybody.
2: So that's a good thing. It, that yep. never fails to make me smile. <laughs> <laughs>
0: All right. Well, uh, turning back to the baseball, as always, you can help people find this uh, baseball podcast. We swear we're a baseball <laughs> podcast, not a, not a football podcast this week. Uh, you can rate and review Milwaukee's Tailgate on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. If you want to send us a question to talk about, you can do that on Twitter at MKE Tailgate. You can also email questions to Milwaukee's.tailgate at gmail.com. You can also follow our Facebook page. Uh, you can also follow all of us on Twitter. Ryan is at RD Top. Paul is at Badger Noonan. And I'm at James L. If you want to support the podcast network, you can do that at patreon.com slash Tailgate. Ball and Glove and above patrons get the monthly Minor League Extra podcast with Brad Ford, as well as the actual Packers podcast reporting as eligible, the weekly podcast preview with Paul. Um, as always, we are sponsored by Carbon Four Brewing and their English style malt bombs and perfectly balanced hop grenades. You know, they're great beers of Dragon Flute, Block Party, and the flagship Fantasy Factory IPA. You can try all of those at the tap room on Kinsman Boulevard on Madison's East Side. While you're at it, go to carbon4.com. You can get 20% off merch on their website with the promo code MKE Tailgate. Carbon Four Beer Brilliance. Uh, so, a little bit different. Last week we had a lot of a lot of brewers things to talk about. This week, kind of quiet on the brewers front, but definitely not quiet on the the league front overall. With the Astros cheating scandal kind of getting broken open, uh, the findings coming out, all the GMs and managers getting fired, more accusations of uh, buzzers under jerseys and all that <laughs> stuff, and, and uh, some some talk about the Brewers actually maybe stealing signs again too. So I want to jump right into a, a Patreon question from Jeremy Knockman, who uh, just you know kind of overcompassing everything. What exactly did the Astros do that was wrong per se?
1: I, I could take this one at least start it off. Um, first of all, it is expressly against the rules that you cannot use electronic assistance to steal signs. Like you can't set up videos, you can't use buzzers. Um, it, it is like written out as plain as day in Major League Baseball rules that that is cheating. Um, if you want to take a deeper look at why that's morally wrong and compare this to something like card counting in, in poker, or not poker, blackjack, where you're, you know, you're using the information that you have available, um, that you got because it's publicly available. I don't, uh, well, okay, you can make that argument. I do think you kind of have to draw a line somewhere, though, because this is the sort of tip of the iceberg for what you can actually you know, read on players on the field. Like, this is pretty basic, stealing signs. Um, Technology keeps getting better and you're going to be able to tell a lot more about players going forward through like camera analytics, like getting down in the future to things like, you know, how they're actually doing out there um, just physically. So um, you don't want to set up like an arms race where teams are... spending money on technology explicitly to spy on the other team and gain technological advantages on the other team on the field. That's not good for anybody. It gets into privacy issues. Like, um, I know that, you know, you, you can, you can always just say like, Oh, you should change the signs. You should do that. You can't, this pays the place. You can't have people walking out to the pitcher every 30 seconds to change the signs. Once people figure it out, like signs are language and patterns and there can only be so complicated. So, um, you, There's a whole bunch of reasons you don't want this to be happening. It slows the game down. It leads to a bunch of consequences in the future you don't want. um, And they made a rule against it. It, it, When you get down to the bottom line, like all the teams were told that this is not legal. um, This this is not a surprise to anybody. You can't argue like, well, okay. They were using the garbage can. That's not even technology. They were using the monitor to get it in from center field. So, yes, it was. So, that's why it's bad. It's cheating, and um, they should be just the punishment was actually pretty severe, but they should have gotten even worse than they did.
2: Yeah. So specifically, MLB did put out a memo in the fall of twenty seventeen that basically you have to knock off using artificial means to get these signs from the catcher. Okay. And so they put this memo out and the Astros apparently ignored it. So ignored
1: it. They ignored it. Yeah. yeah. That's they straight that's up ignored it.
2: So they didn't even pass it on to the players or whatever, so they basically just ignored it and then as time went on, it became clear that like uh they were using you know potentially other means though MLB I guess didn't they did not find any evidence of the the electronic buzzers or whatever, which well okay <laughs> they they say they don't have evidence of it
1: I know what they say, but I Did find they just that wanted to go away at that point they, they totally wanted this to go away and that is that is very implausible to me that they found no evidence of that so
2: yeah so but i mean the the question with this always is stealing signs is a part of baseball going back to signs like as long as there've been signs there has been stealing of signs and teams have used you know the classic is a guy out at second base A runner at second signaling back in and I saw I remember seeing Harold Reynolds once do a tutorial on MLB Network about how to signal back in like it's about you cross your uh, right leg or left leg if it's gonna be a fastball or a uh, uh, or an off-speed pitch depending on like what your first step off the bag is when you're taking your lead Mm -hmm. so like this this has been an accepted part of baseball and if you go back to and we talked about this you know previously but like the 1948 Cleveland Indians won the World Series stealing signs. Apparently, uh, Bob Feller was sitting out in center field on his days off with his Navy telescope watching and signaling back in what the signs were. And, like, the 1951 Giants, infamously, their big comeback, they were stealing signs at the Polo Grounds.
1: Yeah, old-timey baseball guys were scumbags, man.
2: And we saw this week, right, the Tony La Russa accusations, right, that, that they were stealing signs when he was with the White Sox in the 80s. Yep. And people were like, yeah, so – this is kind of – it all really depends where you're going to draw the line. And I think to me at this point, it's basically impossible to ask people if, if this information is out there on TVs and every game is on TV, every game is on HD TV, and it's impossible for this information not to be out there. At this point, MLB needs to look at a better way to get the signals from the catcher to the pitcher.
1: But But a regular TV, you can't use for this because it has a delay on it. So – you have to. Actually, you actually do have to set up your own TV to make this work.
2: Um, no, that's true. You would. Yeah, it wouldn't be as effective because you would have to deal with that whatever it is. Five. Seven. It's about
1: seven seconds. So it's yeah. You actually have to go about. You have to actually do this. You can't just have the broadcast in in the booth and work off that. That won't work. You you have to install a cheating system to actually do this.
2: But then there's the the question of what the Red Sox were doing in 2018, which was supposedly they were not actually using any means to get the signs in real time. What they were doing was they were decoding the signs using the video room. And then they were taking that information to the field with them. So they were then like when a guy got to second base, the signs had been decoded using the video room. And that was what apparently the Red Sox were doing. And so that's also going to be a problem. And that's not something that people are going to want to have happen. So I I still think that the, the solution to this is MLB needs to do a better job of there we have technology that can that can allow catchers and pitchers to communicate the signs between each other without anybody else knowing whether right. or not that's a some sort of a wristband or i don't know some sort of a microphone situation i don't even know but there is a way for this to happen and mlb needs to go in that direction in my opinion
0: kind of like the the quarterback headset situation in football you know where you know what maybe uh Catcher and pitcher get get a sign from the dugout or something like that, or they have some sort of way to to relay that.
1: Well, they could just talk to each other. Like I don't know why they just don't do that. It, it makes yeah. perfect sense. It's an easy enough thing to put the headset into the catcher's gear. It's not any different than a football helmet. So right. I guess the only risk is that the batter might be able to hear it, but I'm sure you can control for that in just tests and whatnot. So, and you know, it's not it's not like the Patriots in football have been above cheating that system as well so there's that to consider but it's better like it would, it solves almost all these problems and anybody who would cheat that system would be flagrantly violating the rules and the system because it would require an actual hack like something like the cardinals did to the astros
2: right and then that you can punish through really like, severely like real severely like legal yeah. means like was it chris correa going to prison going or, to prison yeah exactly like, yeah that becomes real serious so right. that would that would be my preference is do a better job keeping the signals guarded. And then when somebody goes to that extra level, then you really don't have a problem. Everybody's going to very understandably go, yeah, bring the hammer of God down on them because they clearly did something above and beyond.
0: Right. <laughs> we got, we have uh, another Patreon question from Devin kind of on this topic, uh, kind of relating back to the Brewers. And in, in some ways, uh, do you think the Astros will be more hated this season by fans and players than Ryan Braun was after he he admitted his PhD? PA- PED
1: use after saying he didn't. Um, I think definitely. Um, so uh, not to not to like diminish Ryan Braun's whole thing and lying about it and whatever, but the Brewers didn't go out there and, like make a World Series that year. They it, it was like a, an effort by the whole team. I mean, you can hit Ryan Braun all you want. The you know Cubs fans boo him and taunt him mercilessly down in Wrigley. That's all fine. Like, the whole Astros were in on this. And a bunch of their best players went on it. And the the, the video of Altuve is, like, what the two videos are two of the most damning videos you'll ever see of somebody just with him running off the field, with him making sure his teammates don't rip his shirt off like they have before in the past. Um, it looks awful. It, and, you know, if there was a video of Ryan Braun, like, stashing needles that's what this would be like that's that's the equivalent of it like this is the the videos are that we know this is bad and we're doing it anyway and now we don't want to get caught like that's what every video of the ultimate thing is so i think they'll be super hated they're gonna get plunked a ton um it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough season for the the current astros players i think
2: did you see the uh the deleted, what was it, Instagram congratulations post from Aaron Judge? Did you hear about this? Yeah. I heard he, he
1: deleted it. I didn't see the, I actually didn't see the thing. No, I saw the headline. So.
2: Yeah. So he deleted his congratulatory Instagram post from what was it, 2017 when Altuve beat him for the MVP? Oh, yeah. Okay. And so he congratulated him and said, oh, yep, you deserve to win it. You're a deserving winner, all that. And that that's post hilarious. is gone now, which is, yeah, that's, that's the level of, uh, of salty that I like because that's that's some fun stuff because he didn't say yeah. anything he just deleted something and people noticed so that's fun.
0: Do you think Matt Kemp would have deleted an Instagram post back in 2011?
2: <laughs> I I would I mean, imagine so. Yes. Yeah, probably so.
1: That would have been good shade too. Matt should have done that. Uh, but it, it's it's they're going to be I think just really really despised. He also got, kind of. Got, there, it's not like everybody did it in, on steroids, but I, it was ubiquitous enough in baseball that no other teams could really be that mad about it because everybody had somebody to varying extents, you know. Like, and, and not to say that nobody else is stealing signs in this fashion because I'm sure people are, but like, this is I think not quite the same from the, the perspective of the players too, and that goes that gets to the fans. Like, you know, it, it, you can't really be that high and mighty about Ryan Braun, like Cubs fans had Sammy Sosa. Everybody had somebody. Um, This is not that. This is really concentrated on the Astros so far.
2: Well, there's going to be some really interesting stuff to watch this season. Because can you imagine if, like, Alex Bregman gets off to a terrible start to the season like he did? Yeah. He got off to a slow start this year, I believe. He did. And, like, the pressure that will then mount on him where people – he will be constantly asked, oh, so you were stealing signs and now that you don't get the signs anymore, you suck, (laughs) right? Like, that will be – on him constantly and the pressure will be enormous so that'll be fun to to watch
1: yeah turns out the only rule is not that it has to work there are other rules that you have to play by well you see
0: altuve at the the astros fan fest this past weekend basically guaranteed they're going back to the world series regardless so (laughs) (laughs) if they don't
2: well that's some extra pressure just keep more pressure right on on top of it which is great and before we get to schadenfreude, we we should kind of point out here that, yep, there are other teams being accused of this. And we we yep. already saw it. this is extended to um, Cora being fired from the Red Sox more for his role so far, at least in terms of what he did with the Red Sox or with the, the Astros in yes. 2017. But we know things were going on with the, the Red Sox in 2018 as well. And that was Carlos. Do. Beltron lost his job before he even managed a game for the Mets, which, by the way, metziest thing ever.
1: Really um, very Metsy,
2: especially because they didn't even bother to ask about it, even though like this was public knowledge. Yeah. They apparently didn't even bother to ask him about it, which that's just like,
0: it's a like very much interview. Yeah.
2: Yeah. This is dereliction of duty in terms of interviewing. Like you don't ask obvious questions that you really should ask. I mean, come on. I suppose they probably didn't want to know the answer. They didn't want to yep. make him lie. Sure. And you if know, he was going to tell them the truth, they didn't want to know the answer because then they weren't going to be able to hire him, which they wanted exactly. to do.
1: My favorite part of this whole scandal is it's brought Ron Renneke back into the, the limelight. So um, that's that's really what I've been enjoying about it. And I really hope he gets hired so that Ron Renneke's still my baseball becomes relevant again.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. We we have plans for that. We'll we'll talk about that more they, later. That's they down the road.
1: They interviewed Ron, and they, by the way, some some baseball media person, some savvy person, has been basically asking every manager, a potential manager, about cheating. Um, Mike Schilt got it the other day, and basically said that the Cardinals running you know upstanding organization and would never do anything like this, which is <laughs> hilarious. And that oh, they, that they knew cheating was going on for years, which they did because they hacked the Astros database. Um, and that They would never do that. They, of course, would do that in the second and did much worse before. And then they, they asked Reneke that too, who was, of course, with the Red Sox during their little problem. So, um good times all around. I hope that keeps making the rounds Um and people shoot themselves in the foot. That's what I'm here for, really.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've we've got a situation now where I think everybody can, or probably will at least, point the finger at their rivals. Like, Oh, we really got hit around that series. It really, it really makes you think, you know, like, <laughs> did they have something to go on, you know,
2: their eyes flickering to places in the outfield,
0: right? Yeah. looking Oh boy. Look out.
2: So speaking of which James, you wrote something about that this week, right?
1: Oh yes.
0: Yeah. So uh, I came out over the past week or so, uh, just kind of actually mentioned in passing, um, a uh, radio guy up in Wausau had talked to the current Colorado Rockies pitching coach who actually used to to manage the Wisconsin Woodchucks up in Wausau. So that was the connection there. Uh, he talked to him and, and kind of just mentioned in passing about the, the 2018 NLDS the Brewers swept the Rockies in. Um, and, and he had said that they had felt a little suspicious or, or something like that in that the, the Brewers weren't – Reacting to sliders, I guess the way that you would expect them to, uh, <laughs> whatever that means. <laughs> um, huh. And it's just it's 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 kind of odd because neither team hit all that well in that series. It was a very pitching dominated series. Like the Rockies scored all of two runs the entire series, and both of those came in one inning. Brewer scored some i think it was 13 runs in three games so it's not okay. like they were absolutely crushing the rockies at all so um you know i saw this and i decided to kind of jump into the, the data a little bit and see if there was anything there kind of going back using the the pitch effects data and that kind of stuff um and basically my ultimate conclusion you know we can't we can't rule it out, but the conclusion was: if the Brewers were cheating, they sucked at it.
1: <laughs>
0: um, Good to know. Just because you know, like, like so what I did is I, I kind of used the, the the data to look at the sliders the Rockies pitchers threw in those three games, kind of the results of of what happened there. Um, you know, looking at how many of them were strikes, how many of them the Brewers swung at, how many they whiffed on. So, kind of across the the, the indicator to me that they maybe, you know, probably didn't know what was actually coming was they're they're whiffing on like roughly 40 percent of these sliders okay. um, across the three games, which to me, I feel like if you knew a slider was coming, you wouldn't swing right. and miss two out of five times. Right.
1: The first, have a really um, smart and savvy coaching staff and front office. And if they were cheating, it would be much more effective than that.
0: Right. Um you know, I I think that the biggest case that they maybe could have had was against Herman Marquez in Game Three, but that one was in Denver. It wasn't in Milwaukee. So if the if the Brewers were finding a way to decode that, they would have had to do something other than video. Um, also, guessing slider against Herman Marquez is not that big of a gamble. It's one, <laughs> one or two best pitches, so you can you can kind of sit on that. And he ended up throwing something like close to thirty sliders in that game. So it you know i feel like you could probably guess it was coming at that point but you know this this whole thing just kind of sh- goes to show that point of if a team gets beat they're going to look for an excuse and and right now i think the excuse would probably be well they had some help in figuring out the signs regardless of not or regardless of whether or not they have the actual proof to back that up yeah
2: yeah i mean the thing i would say is Having lived through the Ryan Braun experience and having gone through that, I'm going to be very careful. And I, I think I was relatively careful even at the time. Uh, but I'm going to be very careful not to judge on this and just assume, <laughs> oh, no, the Brewers definitely didn't. Are you crazy? The Brewers couldn't have been cheating. Absolutely. Any team could have been doing this. Any yep. team could have been doing it. And, yeah, it's a it's a sleazy thing. It's a It's a scummy thing. And if they did it like, yeah, it'll be annoying. and It'll be disappointing. Mostly just because we'll have to hear about it a lot. And then people will, you know, we'll, we'll hear all kinds of nonsense from like the Dodgers who, did you guys hear about Bill Plasky's piece of crap article?
1: No, I did not. So I Bill Plashky, pretty salty though. Oh yeah. Well, for I mean, obvious reasons,
2: right? Because they lost the the series in 17 to the Astros and 18 to the Reds or the Red Sox. Uh, yeah. Like they're very salty about it. Well, a big part of this was like the Dodgers have also been accused of doing this. Basically it's funny. It's the smart teams that are getting accused of doing this. It's the smart teams because they're the ones most like anxiously looking for every single edge that they can possibly get. And considering that sign stealing has been like an accepted part of the game, the line that you have to cross there can be a little fuzzy. Now, when the, when MLB comes out and says, Hey, this is a hard line. You cannot do this. That changes things a little bit, but, it's it's still a fuzzy enough line that like teams have been pushing it and obviously the brewers have been accused of this and will continue to be accused of this and you will see all kinds of nonsense from people like our buddies down in chicago who think that you know they can decode video evidence or whatever and all that but as funny as all that is as ridiculous as all that is I'm going to remind myself over and over not to just assume they didn't do anything and that it's impossible because it's very possible they were doing something. Yeah, they've been so. mentioned
1: as suspects uh, enough times that in, they're, in there's smoke there. Scenarios. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's why I stopped short of saying the Brewers definitely didn't cheat. I, I settled on if they did, they're just bad at it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> which, by the way, if the Brewers were stealing signs in 2019, that would probably make Orlando Arcia the worst baseball player of all time.
1: Now, let's not discount that as a possibility. That's <laughs> entirely possible. There's a lot of evidence for that um, at this point. So, The biggest thing for the Brewers not being big candidates, to me, is just how often they shuffle players in and out. Like... Yeah, Travis Shaw is mad at them right now. If they were cheaters, oh, yeah. I assume he would rat them out. Like right. he has every incentive to do so. He's not happy with them. Like, William
0: or the Jimmy shooters. Nelson or somebody. Yeah. But, yeah. Zach Davies went out of his way to say that unless he was living under a rock, the Brewers didn't do any of this. Yeah. Uh, granted, you know that pitchers might not be privy to to that as much as the hitters, but like he didn't know of any video right. or buzzers or anything like that so I, I can't imagine at least one guy you yeah. spend
2: enough time in like the locker room it would be impossible I mean those guys are those guys live together they sp- they see much more of right. the their teammates than they see of like their families for the six months of the season like there's no way and, there's and there's not he's secrets not pitching, in that locker he's room. in the
0: dugout he, he would notice somebody like ducking back into the video room in, in between at bats or something like that you know Absolutely. like you, you would think there would be something going on.
2: So if somebody's doing something they're doing it well they're doing it well enough to hide it but they're also doing it poorly enough that it doesn't seem to have had a, a huge impact so
0: Right maybe maybe if the brewers would have cheated more they would have won the NLCS in 2018 you know Exactly <laughs> um kind of turning to you know actual baseball stuff now instead of the the Brad's conspiracy corner talk
1: uh, <laughs> we had a real conspiracy. It's never yeah. happened
0: before. Yeah. Um, you know, looking ahead, so kind of the, the on-field product this year, uh, the Zips projections for the Brewers came out in the past week too. Um, you kind of look at all the numbers, add them all up. It kind of pegs the Brewers as a team winning in the mid to high 80s. Um, some of the highest projected wars there by the Zips projections uh, had at. 5.4, which would actually be a pretty big step back from what he's had the past couple of years. Uh, Keston would ha- comes in at around 3, at 2.8 or so. Um, Urias, I think, is kind of the the surprising one here. They project him for 2.6 war, which I think would probably be a dream scenario for the Brewers. Um, <laughs> and Lorenzo Cain at, at 2.5. After that, it's kind of a steep uh, decline there. Uh, so
2: And we should mention, too, that, like, Yelich, that projection of 5.5, yeah, projection systems like this are conservative in terms of especially projecting, like, Superstar War. Yeah, Yeah. like, they they see it enough from, like, somebody like Mike Trout, but even then, they're not going to project towards, like, the high end of his range. They'll project to the low end, maybe even a little bit below where you would think his range would be. So they're always going to be somewhat conservative. And Yelich, we only really have, you know... 220 games of him being, you know, MVP Christian Yelich at this point. So that's
1: very true, actually. And uh, most of the projection systems he's waited three or four years. So we're still dipping into like pre-breakout Yelich for that.
2: It's getting further and further back into the to the mists of time. But, you know, there's some of that. And they're probably downgrading him slightly, not a bunch, but slightly for the injury that ended last year, just in terms of playing time. So they're taking a little bit of a hit there. I wouldn't anticipate a big hit, but some hit.
1: Yeah, and five point four yeah, is legit. Yeah, just, but it, I, I do think it's interesting to to go through. Like, it, we'll get more projections as time goes on. But go through this, and and it does kind of show, like, yeah, their plan does make kind of a bit of sense. I mean, the Brewers do something along these lines when they project. They probably do a better job than than Dan does because they have more money and stuff to throw at it. Um, but it it looks like a much better team when you see the Zips numbers posted next to everybody than if you just kind of think about it in the abstract. Um, it. Also, if you like look at when when Dan Zaborski puts these out on like Twitter, he usually does it on the like a, a field overlay. Um, it's also interesting to note like where their weakest are some of the easier areas to improve. Like first base is one I think their lowest zip spot is first base. Um, it's not, Justin Smoke's not very good. It's pretty easy to upgrade your first baseman over the course of a season with guys getting cut and you know just big mashers from AAA getting hot. And, you know your Hazukiars are kind of a dime a dozen. So. Um, they're pretty well set at most of the positions where you want to be well set. And Yeah,
2: you know. the one thing that really stands out, again, and we talked about this last week, is the catcher position, and that's because they're taking a big hit with Narvaez's defense. Yeah. Because Fangraphs, as of last year, started to incorporate pitch framing in, so they're taking a big knock in terms of defense at catcher, but even there, they're projecting for two wins. So right. that would not be... Right. That would it's not be a terrible, year, but
1: it's not terrible. It's okay. No, I mean, <laughs> last year they,
2: they led baseball in catcher uh, fan war last year. And yep. that's it. That's going to be tough. And that will be, you know, we, we talked about it last week. That will be the area that if things don't work this year, but they're close, if they miss close, people will really go back and look and say, you really could not well, have yeah. done that grand all deal. <laughs> so sure. that'll be the one that I think gets focused on a lot.
0: Yeah, and I think you you look at the kind of like Paul said the overall team structure, and you and you look at the numbers next to all those, whether it's you know the the uh, spreadsheet or the the kind of field overlay. You go through every position; they're at or above average at just about every position now, which I think sets you up pretty well for the entire season. Which yeah. you can see why that would put that, that mid to high eighties wins, which again, you know. Three wins here or there kind of puts you right in the square thick of the the wild card or even the division race, considering nobody else in the NL Central has really done anything of note this winter.
2: Yeah, I think that one spot on here was a little bit of a surprise to me. I think that the Garcia Braun duo in left field at 2.0 is low. That feels low to me. I think that they're gonna get more out of that by one way or another, depending on which of those guys ends up getting the line share of the playing time there or whatever. I think they're going to get more out of that position. So other than that, I think that it looks pretty, nothing else really stood out to me as being weird.
0: Yeah. Uh, We've got another Patreon question kind of related to this. Uh, Darren Jones asks, among the current group of position players, who do you think will have the highest war totals in 2020 beyond Christian (laughs) Yelich? Basically, he's asking who are the two or three position players you think will have the biggest impact behind Yelich?
1: I think, Keston Hira, almost certainly. Um, I I guess I shouldn't go that crazy about him. But he looks like that bat's a superstar bat. And yeah, his arm could fall off. That'd be bad. But um, he he looks to be outstanding. So uh, I don't think maybe somebody will disagree with me. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with me on that, though. Um, Then from a bat perspective, probably Avi Garcia. Um, This season, at least. Uh, there's at least a few other candidates there. That, that, that's who I'd put money on after Yelich, hitting wise, anyway.
2: Yeah, and then on the other side of it, the defensive side, Lorenzo Cain has such a high floor because of the defense. At yeah. least at this point in his career, we still got three years to go on that deal. The defense will degrade, like that's just how it works. But there's still a pretty decently high floor there because of that. And we'll see if a, a full off season of rest and maybe they've they've figured something out with the thumb. As, as to how they can handle that and treat it and keep him in better form. So that would be the hope that, like, there will be a, a significant rebound with the bat next year. And if that happens, he was, what, a five-win player, almost a six-win player, depending on which ones you looked at in 2018. Yep. So you could see a significant rebound there. And the obvious, you know, the difference with Hira is you don't know the defense is going to drag it down. You just don't yeah, know by how much.
1: He's terrible at defense. That's true. But.
2: And But you, do, you can also hope there that, like, the fact that he is now healthy and will have had a, a a full winter to work defensively with like big league coaching, hopefully, and then spring training and all that. Hopefully, he starts to get enough reps that like we saw the the growth of Ricky Weeks. Remember how terrible he was defensively when he first came up, and he turned himself into a average defender at second Passable.
1: base. Yeah, a
0: perfectly fine defender. If he if was, gets to the Ricky Weeks level, yeah, that's that's impressive.
2: Yeah, I mean and he was that was what working with uh oh who was the coach? The Mets old manager, Willie Randolph. He worked with Willie right. and he got himself to being, you know, pretty solid defensively. Yep, if they totally can do fine. that, then yeah, that would be that would be something too. So.
0: Yeah, and and you know, we've been talking about the the offensive side of things. We haven't really touched on the the pitching projections here, but uh Zips has uh Brandon Woodruff leading the way at about 2.3 WAR, but that's with the caveat, they only projected him for 122 innings. So, uh, if if he stays healthy, I think the the idea is you'd get a little bit more out of him. Um, Josh Hader would be second with 2.2, and then Adrian Hauser, uh, kind of a surprise, third 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 on the list here uh,
1: at 1.8. I like to um, see that. I think Adrian Hauser's good, and he was a guy I wanted in the rotation earlier last season, and I think I was right about it. So um i i like that the system agrees with me
0: he's one that you definitely dream on right like yeah, certainly you saw that shorter tough. burst but i think the, the issue was um and maybe it was because he wasn't stretched out uh but he, fourth or fifth inning or so he seemed to run out of gas so maybe yeah. the hope is uh full winter of preparing like a starter maybe he takes that leap in 2020
1: hopefully so and it's certainly possible i, I do think he he was not stretched out um they're also the brewers they don't give you much of a leash when you get to that part of the going through it. But, but yeah, um, I like, that's a pretty solid, like first three in a rotation, especially when you consider like systems are going to punish the brewer starters generally just on playing time. Um, So we all expect Woodruff to give us a lot more than that. I'd predict him for like what? 160. That'd be my conservative innings take on him. I think um, if he doesn't get hurt. So um, that's not bad. It's pretty good. My my biggest worry is actually hater just because of, how much they rely on him to do what they like to do and uh that's good that's a good reliever projection but i'm a little worried he's not going to be superman anymore going forward after that last season
2: yeah i mean we'll see i think a lot of it depends on the ball with uh, him
1: that's a that's a that's a good point if will yeah. they fix the ball has a lot of We'll say a lot about this season. This season could be completely insane if the ball is drastically different.
2: Well, do we see the baseball that we saw in the postseason last year, or do yep. we see the regular season ball? Because they seem to have changed it again in the postseason last year, and so I do. Yep. We will. We will have to watch and see. That'll be the two things that we'll really be watching early in the season. You know, just as baseball fans, will be the ball and the Astros. To see how that all plays out, <laughs> that was a, it was a Ben Lindbergh line from right. uh, Effectively Wild. He was talking about that. Yep, like, that's that was what we're going to be watching.
1: And he's right. And yep, uh, that was a good Effectively yeah. Wild. Also, the the ball may also make the Astros look even worse than the Astros would look otherwise. So oh, I'm fun. very
2: here for that. That yeah, is that's totally. wonderful. Power
1: numbers take a huge. It's dive. not the sign stealing. It's the ball. Sure, it is, guys. Uh huh. Sure. Yep.
0: Uh, kind of still pouring over the the zips numbers here if if the ball switches you know maybe that provides some hope for corbin burns and freddie peralta too the zips still thinks that they're pretty decent players they both have them at about a win or so above replacement level so i think that would be a decent bounce back over what we saw over both of them last year you know freddie peralta really dealing in winter ball so You know, maybe maybe one of those guys catches fire and suddenly we all feel a little bit better about the Brewers pitching situation.
2: Well, they certainly have a lot of potential options of guys who could step up and and be real impact players. It's just kind of a question of who it's actually going to be, who is going to be the ones who do it, you know, especially on the pitching side. So like he I'm looking at the list right now, he doesn't even have have Bobby Wall on here. And there are a lot of people that think Bobby (laughs) Wall has a real chance to be an impact high leverage reliever as soon as this year. So yep, that is true. we will have to see
1: for like a guy like Corbin Burns, the ball could matter a ton. Um, Cause he misses, he's always missed bats. It's just that when they hit, when he doesn't miss bats, they just go crazy. <laughs> so um, yes, he has like twice still in the system. That's why he's still kind of a prospect. Like his stuff is good. It misses just um, he, nobody was victimized by, I mean, he still got too much in the play too much, but nobody was victimized by the home run ball more than him. So hopefully he does have a bit of a bounce back. Um, Remember two years ago when he was still good?
2: I mean he well, was really yeah. good.
1: He was he was awesome. I was,
0: I was even at um his first start of last year, you know, he struck out what the first nine or ten Cardinals he faced and then That's just right. apart after that. Like it was, he, it it was,
1: was literally and after like, that. I was at that game. I was too. going
0: nuts at, yeah. in the crowd. Like Corbin Birds is gonna be so young this year, and then he gave up four home runs in the last inning and a half that he did <laughs> you know like you said that that that, that stuff was the, in place.
1: that was the yellow walk-off right it was yeah. yeah i was at that game that was fun yeah so was, i remember roller coaster ride
2: <laughs> i remember specifically where i was watching that or not watching the game but watching the information come across i was taking the train back from liverpool to london my wife and i were on my birthday vacation <laughs> it was my 40th birthday last year and my wife gave me a trip to uh, england and to Liverpool specifically to see Liverpool play. And I, we, when we got on the train, because we weren't getting reception on the train itself, um, when we got on the train, I, he had struck out all those batters and I'm like, oh my God, Corbin Burns is turning into a superstar right now. We got off the train, you know, two hours later and I, bring it up and I'm like what the hell happened like it was it was was the biggest downer I'm like oh no how did that happen like because we didn't get any reception along the way so yeah that was uh, he was just a very weird an extremely weird player last year like to the levels that you just rarely see like there's a lot of mystery in, in what was going on with him though I guess maybe not a ton of mystery we know he was missing spots and he was putting balls in hittable spots but like to be that hittable and to have so many of them go for home runs that has to be at least something of an outlier like that can't be normal so
1: even if you're just throwing bp you're not going to give up as many home runs as corbin burns did so yeah there's definitely luck to that
2: yeah yeah
0: absolutely um kind of looking around the the league it's still kind of a uh aside from the Astros stuff kind of dominated the the headlines but i saw something this week that kind of caught my eye, and I know, Ryan, you have opinions on this, Uh, the Cardinals have been linked to Nolan Arenado now that the Rockies seem determined to trade him before the start of the year. Would this kind of make the Cardinals the, the favorites again, or do they even have the pieces to make this happen?
2: Well, so here's the issue. It's not a matter of pieces. They could definitely make a trade, though that's a separate issue because the Rockies are being idiots about how they're handling this. But that's a different issue. The Rockies are idiots, and we know that. No, the issue is that the the Cardinals right now, as it stands, their their franchise high payroll opening day payroll was one hundred and sixty two million. And that was last year. As of right now, they're projected to open the year at one hundred and sixty four million. OK, because they added some players because they, you know, like signed Goldschmidt to that extension and all that. They are now projected already to be two million over their previous franchise high. Nolan Arenado is set to make thirty five million dollars this year. I don't see how the Cardinals are going to do this. I mean, they could, every team in baseball could spend more money if they wanted to, but like, are the Cardinals really going to go about 40 million over what their previous amount was and get basically right up towards the luxury tax to add Nolan Arenado? especially if the Rockies are doing what we think they're doing and they're demanding like legitimate return. Because remember, Nolan Arenado is on a market value contract. And yes, there is some value like to be had in trade for these things. But if you look at guys who are on market value contracts lately, look at how much the, uh, the Yankees were able to get Giancarlo Stan for. It was almost nothing. Like They gave up basically nothing to get him. They basically just took the contract. And that's because teams have gotten a lot smarter about how they make deals like this. They don't trade for the player. They trade for the contract. They trade for the surplus value that they're going to get. And the Cardinals aren't idiots. So I just don't see unless the Rockies like were to do something weird, like say, Hey, we'll take Matt Carpenter back and his $20 million a year for the next two years. Maybe that could facilitate a deal, but then like they would have to get more prospects. You would think back for that. So it, it all is just weird. I don't necessarily think it's going to happen. I would be surprised. It would, it would require other things to happen for them to do it just because of how much they already have committed to payroll for 2020.
1: And he makes $35 million a year, not just next year, but for the foreseeable future, if I'm looking at this right on spot track.
2: Oh, and there's another factor too, Paul, because he has an opt out after next season,
1: right? Oh, he does. Okay. So he, he could could opt out after two years
0: and that, that's the risk anybody would trade would take too. um, First of all, he's got a full no trade. So he would have to accept a trade to you in the first place. And then he could leave after two years. And with the so Rockies demanding everything. That's a
1: lot of the uncertainty there. Yes. Okay. For, when you make trades like that, you usually want to know exactly what you're getting, not uh, exactly. speculatively what you may or may not be getting. That can vary by like $200 million over the course of the contract.
0: Right. right. And if I'm remembering correctly, too, I think the Yankees had to deal with that with Gian- Giancarlo, too. Right. I think he had an opt out yeah, at some so. point that uh, they had to factor in as well. So that that might have played a role in that return as well.
2: Yeah, and I believe that that's exactly what happened. And the Rockies apparently really are asking for like multiple top prospects for Arenado because well, he's a superstar, so we get Which multiple top prospects yeah. for him, but you're trading him with a superstars contract with an opt-out. So yeah, we'll see. I just, I doubt that anything happens there, but you know, stranger things have happened, especially if the Rockies get weird.
0: Right. And you know, with the way the the division's kind of shaped up this off season, it still feels like it's kind of out there for the taking. Um, You know, that, that might be a move that might push the Cardinals ahead. But like you said, that it, it'll take a lot. And it's whether they want to <laughs> take that gamble, both financially and with the prospects and everything, to get it done. Indeed. Uh, we've got some more Patreon questions here that we can get to real quick. Uh, Mark is asking who gets the least amount of playing time between Justin Smoke, Ryan Braun, Avasail Garcia, Lorenzo Kane when they are all healthy?
2: Hmm. Well, it's when they're all healthy, is the weird part, which you wouldn't necessarily expect that they would all be healthy. Um, super often just because of how much right. brawn gets hurt and
0: and kane yeah
2: and kane too though kane generally plays through stuff but maybe they don't try to push him that hard but we'll see on on how all of that works i think that you know who gets the least amount of playing time Braun, they will take and give him his scheduled time off like yes, they've they been will. doing that for a while mm-hmm. so I when they're all healthy it's probably him
1: it's probably Braun. yeah um i, I, I want to go smoke on that but just with uh the way the platoons work and the fact that Garcia and Braun will probably be splitting time um, a good amount regardless, it's it's probably Braun. My hope is that it's smoke because I don't think he's good at all, but it's probably not smoke.
0: (laughs) Also, I'm I'm less optimistic about the chances of Ryan Braun playing first base than I think seemingly everybody this year. I think think it's one of those where they'll, they'll try it in spring and I don't think he'll spend nearly as much time at first base as everyone thinks he will uh so that would leave a lot more time for smoke um
2: where do you think andy's gonna set his uh his prop bet on that this year because last year it was really low and he still came in under it so he did so we'll see
0: that'll be that'll be a good question for when we set up up the prop bets
1: (laughs) soon. very very low
0: yeah uh speaking of outfielders i guess this is a stretch stretch of a transition but I nick like augustine <laughs> nick augustine is uh asking about carlos gomez uh he announced or the announcement came out a few days ago that uh gogo was going to be retiring after the 2020 season he wants to make that season with the brewers uh we'll see if that happens but uh, Kind of looking back on Gomez's career, how did his Brewer seasons compare to some of the other prominent Brewers center fielders in history? And anyone care to share your favorite Carlos Gomez memory?
2: Well, I can take the first part of this because uh, I remember reading Rob Nyers. Basically, he did a book of all-time franchise players and wrote it up. And one of the things that he pointed out about the Brewers was the Brewers have an excellent history of center fielders. You Mm -hmm. go back throughout their history, starting with Tommy Harper going to Gorman Thomas for much of the 70s, for Robin Yount much of the 80s and even into the 90s Daryl Hamilton was around um and then obviously in the in the new century I mean this was written more 10 15 years ago but yeah. you could also look at you know people like that Gomez is definitely a prominent member of that group, just because he had what three really, really good seasons with the Brewers,
0: and he was like the bright spot on a lot of those uh, kind of average to below average teams. You know, in the early 2010s, you know, he was he was the bright spot. He was the he was the fun. I will forever love Carlos Gomez. He's probably in my top five favorite Brewers of all time. Um, so for me, some of my favorite moments um, there was the time he he thought he hit a home run in Philadelphia. Flew all the way around the bases before he saw the umpire say it was a foul ball on the line. Uh, so he just stepped right back in the box uh, again. Um, also, I think my all time favorite, it's not necessarily an on field moment, but uh, there was that Sports Art Illustrated article with Ryan Braun talking about Carlos Gomez after he had signed extension. Oh, his, it's so good. Extension. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> Ryan Braun's talking about ever since he's gotten his money he's been googling rich people conversations so <laughs> he comes up to ryan braun talking about how kiwis are the perfect fruit
1: <laughs> so that's amazing
0: the idea of carlos gomez sitting there googling rich people conversations just so he knows what to talk to wealthy people
1: like ryan braun about
2: the thing uh, the thing i will always remember is the brian mccann game
1: that's what i was going to mention is that oh, where you're yeah. going to go okay I'll, well I'll... and partially because uh like it, he hit home run, pimped it, and Brian McCann, the fun police, got very mad at him. Blocked home plate. One of the reasons it's one of my favorite plays is because uh, the Brewers were aw- awarded Carlos Gomez's run on that play, but he never touched home plate. Uh, a brawl ensued, um, and he never actually finished trotting all the way around the bases. He just got into a fight with Brian McCann, and then everybody went back to dugouts, and the Brewers had an extra run. So, um, it, and uh, Brian McCann totally in the wrong there. He's a he's that would a bad be
2: guy. that would be 2017 Astro Brian McCann, by the way.
1: Yeah, it would. Oh,
2: playing bad. the game the right way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he he should uh, lecture more people about how to play the game the correct way. He
1: should. So he, he had Can a seven, know? his, his t- 2013 season, he had a 7.8 war um, by by B-Ref. Uh, his fan graphs is close, but it's not working oh. on my phone right now for some reason. Um, that is one of the best Brewer seasons in history. So um sure. good little peek
0: um and you know aside from that brian mccann connection carlos gomez you know a few people part of the point this out on twitter in the past week if carlos gomez the trade to the mets doesn't fall through do we ever find out about the astros scandal because (laughs) what ended up happening yes we do to the astros with mike fires mike fires uncovered all of this so I'm
2: you a big know, fan of butterfly flaps. The, it's wing references, but this yeah. is a, a bridge right, too far yeah. for me.
0: <laughs> you know, if I ever write a book someday, I swear it's going to be something on like how the course of baseball history was changed just by the Mets screwing up that situation, and that was even before this whole thing happened. Just
1: well, I stopped at that you know, situation.
0: Change, change, change. You know, you know, you could write series of books on the Mets screwing things up in baseball history, yeah. but you
2: well, know, and there's one other thing to mention too with uh, with. Carlos Gomez, is the trade that brought him here, which a lot of people, me included, and I know Ruby Q mentioned this on uh, Twitter this week because <laughs> I'm was i going same. This is the exact same conversation I, I had at the time, too. Was uh, thought it was a terrible trade for the Brewers, that this was a really big mistake that they made. And then Gomez took a good two, two and a half years to break out with the Brewers. It wasn't until, what, the second half of 2012 yeah, when you really started right. to see it from him. When he and was so, tuning
1: with Nigel Morgan and he started kind of turning it on late in that year.
2: Yep, right. yep. And so he was a guy that I think they probably at various points may have been close to just giving up on and, and sending him out. So they stuck so, with that and to their benefit.
1: He's a big development success story and he was really ruined by the Twins. Um, he, he was in their system um, and he played under, I think, Gardenhire, who they, he was told to hit the ball into the ground and like stuff out for like his whole start of his career. And he was hitting lead off, you know, very old timey, like fast guy hit grounders kind of thing. And you you see, like, that's not really, that's not, he's fast, but that's not his game. The guy has massive power. um, And you got to get the most out of his contact. Somebody finally told him to do that and just swing as hard as you can and try and hit it out. Um, If he would have spent his whole career with the twins, he probably would have flamed out as, as a complete bust. Um, So lucky for him, he ended up where he did.
2: Yeah. How sad is that? That like, They really managed to screw that up. That's the uh, what's that, the Willie Mays Hayes advice for Major League? Like <laughs> yeah. you should be putting a ball on the ground up, and legging it out.
1: Time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. no,
2: that's not actually good advice. Don't do nope, that. It is bad. No, it's, it's probably good advice when you're like teaching kids how to play the game. Like that's that is probably much more legitimate for most kids sure. that you want to make contact with the ball and you want to put the ball in play and you don't want to pop it up. So you're not just swinging for the fences every time. But for adults who have been selected for their high-end <laughs> baseball ability, no, that's that's bad advice. Let him do what may will make him a good player, as opposed to just a barely passable big league player. So,
0: it turns out Carlos Gomez pioneer of the uh, launch angle revolution too. I suppose yeah, yeah. if really. you want to go back that way, that's right. Right. Did it. Yeah, yeah, A yeah. uh, lot more questions to get to uh, These come from Twitter Marcus Horton is asking As of today, what are your projected NL Central standings looking like?
1: I, I think I still like the Cardinals uh, They're evil, well run, and always good And won the division last year So I think they'll probably finish mid-90s um, I I kind of like the Brewers projections Of about 85-86 um, And that's where I would slot them in I, I don't think you can count on the September win you know, 20 games in a row thing again with the way they changed how pitching works. Um, so I think that'll probably put him second or third. Um, I think, I guess I kind of like the Reds as a one season go for it a little more than some people. I think they'll, they'll probably be right there with them. I think the Cubs are going to have a really tough year. <laughs> so um, I'd put them fourth, at right around 500, a little below. Um, th- by the way, if you don't follow like the Cubs um, festival, whatever it is, fan thing that's going on right now, you should because it's hilarious um the owners are getting booed mercilessly um they have signed up no players uh, except for Hernan Perez which is not exciting for anybody um and so like uh, they had a bad offseason they had a bad last season um they're in a bit of turmoil um don't like them and then Pittsburgh they are terrible and will finish last so
2: yeah 100% agree on Pittsburgh last give me the Reds in fourth i don't believe I in them they're they're not all that good and give me the Cardinals in third i think that they have yeah, some yeah okay they have some missing pieces, and I don't love their pitching depth. Like that might be the wrong call. Like their outfield also isn't very good. Like they don't have a great outfield, and the the pitching just I have questions about it. And then give me the Brewers, and then the Cubs. Actually, like the Cubs first. Uh. I have the Cubs winning the division, well, and that's they a weird millions one. Billions
1: of dollars in technology this year. So,
2: well, and they're they're <laughs> launching their network. So. I mean, I just think that the Cubs have had kind of a rough couple of years where they underperformed in some key ways. And I know there are some people that legitimately believe that, you know, where the Brewers are kind of have been playing as more than the sum of their parts and the Cubs have been playing less than the sum of their parts. Yes. I don't necessarily believe that is like lock solid, like repeatable stuff. And I think a lot have, of it was
1: Madden, but I would have liked to have seen their roster improve, too. And it hasn't.
2: Yeah. And we will see them without Madden now. And that should be that should be an advantage, and I think they're due to have a year where more things go right. They've had since 2016. They've had years where more things went wrong, and I think they're kind of due to have a a year where more things go right. And they still have a pretty deep roster. I mean, they didn't improve it, but like, where are the real holes on that team? Like as it stands today, you've still got pretty good players. Most spots on the diamond. So framing
1: and bullpen. And yeah. st- their starting pitching actually has been problematic for a while too. They got locked into like a couple it's of old and bad, old bad. Yeah, like <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I'm I don't I'm know. not going to be. Opt- I'm never going against the Cardinals on a prediction until they have like five straight years of being bad. So right, just, it's like daring them. Right. You're, you're tempting the devil magic if
0: you doubt it. Right. So
1: exactly,
0: I, I, I feel like I would like the Cardinals and the Cubs a little bit more. If one of them would just suck it up and sign Marcelo Zuna or Castellanos, I feel like, yep. you know, either one of them could use that extra bat. So, um, but I'm kind of with Ryan that the Cardinals pitching doesn't scare me all that much, but I was never kind of a believer in the guys that broke out last year. Um, Cubs, the bullpen's going to be a mess. I don't know if you saw the, the stuff on um, Kimbrell's fastball over the past three years has kind of depreciated down to being a, a garbage pitch, um, and he's he relies on that. So I think, I think the Cubs are going to be regretting that decision for a while. Um, I don't know. I, I know we spent a good 10 minutes hating on the Reds last week, but <laughs> they're at least fun. You know, I yeah, think I mean, they're going
1: to be annoyingly good. Like I said, like I don't think they'll be good like two years from now, based on everything no, they're doing. But, but like they 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 have a decent amount of talent for this season. So I yeah uh, I don't know. Like, gonna,
0: I I love Suarez. I
1: think he's probably one of
0: the best players yeah. in the game. That doesn't get any pub at all. Um, I mean Vado's terrible. He's gonna tie them down. But um, you know they they'll be able to hit a little bit if the pitching's for real. I just think they're a little weak in the bullpen, but. You know, they're going to be annoyingly good. Um, you know, I, I'm i kind of with you, Paul, though. I think I think the Cardinals would probably still be the one to beat at yeah. this point. Um, Matt Ballman is asking. Uh, he finds it hard to believe that third base is set at this point with Eric Stogard and Jed Jerko. Me too. Uh, besides Kyle Seeger, who are some realistic trade up- upgrades that would make sense. So. That's the caveat here too. I think everybody's kind of pinpointed Seeger, but outside of him, what
1: else is out there? There's not much out there. That's the thing. Like, a a lot of their options to actually upgrade have been signed. There's not a ton of ways out there to do any big improvements outside of what they actually have, which is annoying. Um, And outside of like, I don't know. Um, Outside of Seeger, I don't know what I would do. Lucky. Lock yourself into Nolan Arenado for uh, for two to, to six years, I guess. That's kind of it. Uh, I, so like I said, I can't believe they're set, but I, I think they are. Um, I think it's just a hole on the team, and it's a tough one to fix pre-trade deadline at this point. Marginal upgrades may be out there, but I can't think of any that I would jump at.
2: Yeah, I mean, maybe if the Rockies did get completely desperate and they decided we absolutely must move Arenado, the yeah, Brewers could kind of sneak in there, but I don't see that it's happening. not going to happen. Yeah,
1: it's it, it a lot of money for them. It's to so much to money for the brewers. brewers. It's not going to happen.
2: No, it it is. And it's also they would have to like not really give anything up because they just don't have that much to give up.
1: <laughs> That's a good point, too. Yeah, not, not a lot of chips to, uh, to delve out.
2: I mean, they could hand over some interesting prospects. your Mario Felicianos of the world and, and guys like that. But they yeah, it, it would be it, it would have to be kind of speculative that way. Um, I will say if you look at the Zips projection for third base, Simborski has them at 1.8 and last year they were at 2.0. They because of Travis Shaw's huge struggles in the first half, it dragged them down and Mustakas moved over there and stabilized things, but on overall balance, the Brewers actually didn't get a great production from third base last year. So, they're not that far off from it next year. I do think they're going to go in with it unless I guess if the Mariners got stupid or the Rockies got stupid and just like handed somebody over on really good terms, but I don't see why they would do that. So I just, I think they're going to go in with what they have and look to maybe upgrade it at the uh, deadline.
1: Agreed. This is it. This is what you got.
0: I I don't see, I don't see anything else out there really. Yeah. So you you might be kind of stuck with it until, until July at least.
2: And Uh, it might not be terrible. Like it, it could be, but you know, Jed Jerko has had good seasons. Yeah. Eric Sogard has had good seasons. Like they have people that could potentially give them good seasons. We'll see if it happens.
0: Right. Yep. The the motto of the twenty twenty Brewers. They'll they'll be fine. You know, <laughs> like, it's a very high floor. I wouldn't say high, very high floor, but you know they're there's, kind of built to be a, a decently high floor. There's a T-shirt. Not much upside. Yeah, yeah. Those T-shirts will sell like hotcakes.
2: The twenty twenty uh, Brewers. Be it'll be fine.
0: Yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, it'll be fine. Uh, Another Twitter question uh, for us. Will Orlando Arstia be on the opening day roster and over under Stearns makes two and a half trades between now and March 1st?
2: Hmm. I could see them making some trades because they just have like interchangeable roster parts that they could do this. I could see spring training trades being a thing that they do this year. Yeah. as far as Arcia, I think he's going to be on the team to open the season. I would be surprised if he's not.
1: I would bet on, that he is. Um, and I'll take the under on the trades, too. Just, trades aren't that common, although it's certainly possible. Um, but I, I do think he'll have a pretty short leash. And you might see those two tied up as a combination at some point. Like, I could definitely see him being shipped out for a, a fresh start somewhere. So, But uh, he's still young. He there's still potential to develop there he has some track in the minors he'll probably make the opening day roster but i don't know i'm down on him i hope i hope that he does get traded for something else so i think it might do him some good actually to be somewhere else too
2: Aureus is probably one of the most likely players on this team to break out in exactly. 2020 but i don't think arcia is that far down the list of other guys who could potentially break out because he's still not that old and there's physical tools and talent there if People can kind of get him to harness it and, you know, go forward with it. We talked about it a lot last week. I think there's still potential there to happen, but
1: yeah, just wish he wasn't bad at everything. Like, right. he'd been good at something.
2: But again, we've seen flashes of him being good at hitting yeah. and well, decent at hitting and very good at defense. So we've flashes seen... is the most
1: dangerous word. I has been in football all the time. <laughs> People see flashes of football players all the time, and then they go away for 45 minutes at a time. So, I don't know. Hopefully, but yeah, I, I agree. He'll probably be on the opening day roster. There's still enough there.
0: Yeah, I think I think he's a decent bet. I just worry uh, about how he would do in limited playing time. He seems like the kind of the kind of guy who would kind of needs to be out there all the time just to kind of stay stay in it and stay fresh. So I don't know. You know, if mental lapses are already a problem when he's playing every day, if he's playing every three days or whatever, I don't know how well that goes and. How do you keep a a utility man basically who's who's not good at anything? As Paul said, (laughs) so I I think I think the bigger question is if he'll be on the roster on May first. You know, like after that first month, I don't know. We'll we'll see how that goes. Um, We've got a Facebook question from Ted. He says it looks like the Brewers farm system is low on talent. I think that is to say the least. (laughs) Do you do they have enough prospect capital to make uh, the correct moves? Um, whether that's adding a bullpen or inning eating, eating, eating starter, that kind of thing. Obviously, they don't have the the pieces to make a splashy move for Arenado or somebody else.
2: Yeah, and I don't think they necessarily really have the inclination to do those sorts of deals unless they yep. can get a guy for a long term. Because he he mentioned like Sabathia. I don't see David Stearns ever giving up a bunch of prospects to rent a guy for half a season. Like that's not really in his DNA. If a if a guy like that became available at a lower cost. You could see it, but not paying those sorts of prices. I guess I do think that they they basically have the pieces that they can use to make these moves. They have guys that are there who are potentially, you know, in this season that could break out and become very good pieces. Uh, the number one guy in the system, Bryce Terang, Ethan Small, uh, Tristan Lutz, Mario Feliciano, Aaron Ashby all these guys potentially could do that. And they have some guys, especially younger, who are coming in from Latin America, where they've had some of their better seasons in terms of bringing in guys from Latin America. We haven't seen those guys produce big numbers in the United States, at least not yet. But there's still time on a bunch of them. And I think we're going to see some guys break out from Latin America. So yeah, I think they have pieces to make these modest sorts of moves. They could make a move like a a Drew Pomerantz again for instance. That's like,
1: what I was going to say like in terms of going and finding that like relief help that they need um, you know in the, the kind of window they're in right now where they need stuff to get them over the hump at the deadline that they're perfectly fine to do that um, where their lack of depth will start to become an issue is more when they start to get to like the having to replace uh, not ye- yellow type guys like when you need to have somebody come up from the system and be you know a star ish type player at some point in the future. That guy is probably not there yet. And maybe it's always possible that one of your like lower level guys is going to break out, but they don't have that like top flight talent. They've dealt a lot of it away. So they've got if it is, to keep...
2: it's one of the Latin American kids they signed in the last yeah. couple years. One of the
1: yep, one of those um, high ceiling guys there. But like their their system certainly doesn't have the depth or star power of some other systems. It's it's a good engine to keep them where they are at the moment. But uh, as soon as they need to rebuild, rebuild, they're going to need to load it up a little. Lo- far more than it is right now.
0: Yeah. I think here is probably the, the last of that probably star quality that we'll see for quite a long time while yeah. we wait for those, those younger pieces to move their way up the lower levels of the miners for sure. If you want to ask us questions, again, a reminder, you can join our Patreon by visiting patreon.com slash MKETailgate. Uh, You'll get question priority and patrons at the ball and glove level and above get the monthly minor league extra podcast. You can hear Brad hype up all of these low-level prospects we were just talking about. Uh, (laughs) You can also send in questions via Twitter at mke tailgate and on email at milwaukees.tailgate at gmail.com.
2: Just a heads up. Uh, Brad and I are planning on recording the minor league extra this week. So that will awesome. be going yeah, so up. We
0: have that to look forward to go over to Patreon and sign up. And uh, we've got a new patron to kind of highlight Ryan.
2: Yeah. Chris Sinclair uh, signed up and we were talking about this right before we started. Chris signed up after the announcement had gone out that uh, the old crew was stepping aside and that a new crew was coming in, but before <laughs> the new crew had even recorded an episode. So, Chris is uh, the faithful.
1: Yeah, thanks, Chris. Much appreciated. Take that, Steve. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Anytime we can insult Steve, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm pro that. Anytime we can get a shot in at him. So, yeah. So, thank you, Chris, for uh, having the faith.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And if you haven't already, not just Chris, but all of you, if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Overcast, Pocket Cast, anywhere else that you could listen to a podcast. Hit that subscribe button. And while you're there, please leave us a review and help other people find the podcast. Probably wrapping up here. Uh, I looked up at the score and the Chiefs are winning. So, of congratulations. They are. Just they, like last week. <laughs> they just came back from uh, <laughs> where we were the last time. So, hopefully, uh, Paul will have some good Packers news to talk about on the Reporting as Eligible podcast.
1: Yep. If, if you listen to the mini pod this week, you, you should know what to expect this week and the two areas where the 49ers are vulnerable. And uh, if, they, if they qualify for the Super Bowl after today, we'll, of course, have a mini pod next week along with the regular. Um, with JR and Matt both back this week, so
0: I will say Paul pretty much nailed the Seahawks game. So you know, go quick. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully uh, maybe uh, the uh, the predictions in the Forty ers cast uh, at work out. Um, maybe not so well, but you know, we'll <laughs> be talking about a Super Bowl in a couple of weeks. Yep. Um, thanks, guys, for again uh, listening in, and and Ryan and paul joining us this week until next time i guess we'll we'll wait for more brewers news here (laughs) to talk about and hopefully we won't have a whole big cheating scandal to talk about uh again thanks for listening and look for us next week on milwaukee's tailgate